This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. of God, surrounded by the family of God, and to lift up the name of our God. Amen. Well, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to actually be, we've been doing a series on Sunday nights, uh, because it's Jesus in the book of John, on seven different occasions, used this, made this statement, I am. And and it's a very interesting, because a lot of people you know, may just fly right over your head, but that's a very big thing to say, because in the book of Exodus, kind of backtracking a little bit, uh, God told Moses to go and have Pharaoh to set his people free, right? You remember this? That the, the, the Jewish people had been slaves for over 400 years to the Egyptians, and then God raises this man Moses up and says, you go and set my people free. You go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses, just being one guy, is like, how am I going to stand up to the king? How am I going to go in front of the, the most powerful man in the world and command him to do something? Who am I going to tell him sent me? And God says, you go and you tell Pharaoh that I am sent you. And he's like, what? I am? Because I am is a very open-ended type of a statement, isn't it? Well, I am. What are you? You am what? What are you? And really, you fill in the blank for whatever it is that you need Jesus to be in your life. That's what he am. You need peace. Good news today. Jesus is peace. You need some joy. Jesus is you need delivered from an addiction. Jesus is the deliverer. And so when Jesus comes onto the scene in the book of John on seven separate occasions, Jesus uses this phrase, I am. He says the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. And then he says, I am the light of the world. And of course, Jesus, if you will let him into you, he will light up your world. Can anybody say amen to that? Jesus came and lit you up a little bit, right? And so here we are today. We're going to be on the sixth thing, the sixth time that Jesus said, I am. And on this one, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And if you need an outline for the message today, you could raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. But we're going to open up our Bibles to John chapter 14. John 14, can we get some excitement for God's word this morning? John chapter 14. And man, I'm, I'm telling you, it's exciting to, to hear Jesus make these, these statements and to really get a better glimpse of who he is. So John chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 to get the whole context of what he was saying here. But John chapter 14, verse 1, an absolutely amazing scripture. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he's saying the same thing to you today. Maybe you've got a lot of trouble going on around you. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it get to your heart. It may have got all around you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. 
Jesus said that. He said, you know the way to where I'm going. But look at this. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. Thomas, if you haven't caught on yet, out of the twelve, he is the most sarcastic. And and I mean, he he's always just chiming in. He's just, he has to come in and try to rain on the parade every single time. Last week, we were looking uh, in, in John chapter 11, where Jesus says, let's go over there and we're going to get Lazarus. We're going to raise him from the dead. And then Thomas chimes in. He's like, yay, let's just go. We're going to die with Jesus, too. We'll probably all be dead before this thing's over. Isn't this great? I'm like... Good Lord, Thomas, can you check your attitude at the door, brother? You don't have to all, do you, does anybody know someone like Thomas that no matter what, they got something negative to say? Well, Jesus says, you know the way to where, where I'm going. You guys, you know. And Thomas says, no, we don't know. We don't know, Jesus. We have no idea what you're talking about right here. And so uh, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, Thomas, I am. The way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Boom. There it is right there. Jesus just lays it out there. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody is getting to heaven. Nobody is going to the Father unless they go through me. I am the way. And so Jesus very plainly right here, very plainly, is talking about how you get to heaven. You get to heaven through Jesus. But he breaks it down into three things. He could have just said, Thomas, I am the way to heaven. But he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus breaks it down into three steps right here. And so I'm thinking, if he took the time, if he saw fit to say three things, I want to see what all three of those things are. Because how many know that if someone important comes into the room and says something, you kind of want to hear everything that they have to say. If Michael Jordan came in and wanted to give a speech about basketball, I would be hanging on every word that the man said. If Jesus Christ walks into the room and says, I am three things right here, I want to know Every single one of those things. I want to know. I'm hanging on every word. I'm taking notes. I'm saying, Jesus, keep bringing it. I want to know what you're saying right here. And so if Jesus said three things, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I want to get every last little crumb that I can get from the bread of life today. And so let's break this down. Let's see what Jesus was saying to us here. And I will guarantee you that if you'll listen to Jesus speak today, that he will come in and rock your world. He'll come in and he will change the way that you think and the way that you live if you'll listen to him. So let's break this down. What's the first thing he said? I am, number one, the way. He is the way. Now, if you, like me, you've grown up in church or maybe you've been around church for a long time, you've probably heard people say, Jesus is the way. And and amen to that. That's the absolute truth. So it's not that difficult for you to understand, maybe. But you've got to realize that in 2019, it's pretty hard for some people to wrap their mind around there's only one way to do this right. In any, in any category, you have so many options at your disposal and hardly anything in 2019 is there only one way to do it. 
I mean, there, there's dozens of ways to fix anything. There's dozens of options. You could pick any item in the world right now and go on Amazon and you could have five million different things pop up. You could order it from so many different companies. And, and, and what if somebody came in and said, no, 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 ignore all that. There's only one way to buy this item. There's only one way to get it. And I'm thinking, no, there's not. I could go right now to an actual store. I could go on Amazon. I could go on eBay. I could probably, there's so many ways that I could buy anything I want. But listen, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to, when it comes to heaven, there are not any other options. There is literally one road to heaven. There is, there's no, there's no other way. There's literally only one way to do this right. And, and, and seriously, let that sink in because we are not used to being told there's really only one way. You've got options. You've got millions of things coming at you every day. Jesus says, I am the way. The way. There's, there's absolutely no other way that you can get to heaven except through Jesus. Now, I want to, I want to say this. That Jesus did not say that he is the easy way. He never said that. And I'll tell you that it, it, it is easy to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It is easy to make that confession. And it's the obvious choice. It's the obvious choice. But living for him is not always the easiest way that there is. Is there anybody that's noticed that and you could say amen to that, that it's not always the easy way? In fact, Jesus said, hey, follow me, take up your cross and follow me, but count the cost before you do it. Because sometimes this way is hard. Sometimes the road is long. But Jesus said, I am the way. And I want to show you something in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11. And it would be wonderful to be able to say that, you know, it's the ever since, uh, you know, I, I decided to serve Jesus. I've never had a single trouble since then. Every day has just been roses, rainbows and ponies every day since then. I would love to say that. But I mean, that's just it's that would be a lie. It's not the case. It can sometimes be a difficult road because everybody else is going this way. And Jesus says, nope, this is the way. I don't care if everybody else is going that way. This is the way. And sometimes when you follow Jesus, you're kind of the oddball in the crowd. You're kind of the minority. You're the only one maybe going this way. But does that mean you follow everybody else? I mean, come on, seriously, you serving Jesus may sometimes put you in an uncomfortable position, but that doesn't matter. He is the way he is the way. So Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at a guy here named Moses for just a brief second, because Moses is somebody that chose to not take the easy way. Moses took the hard way. But it paid off. So Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 24 through 27. Now check this out. It says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You realize that Moses was adopted into the castle, into the king's family. The Pharaoh's daughter is the one that came and rescued baby Moses and raised him in the palace. 
Can you imagine that? You were raised in the palace in, in the home of a billionaire, the most powerful person in the world. And when you grew up, you hated it. You despised it. You refused to even be associated with all that money, with all those powerful people. Moses, he didn't just say, I don't want to be a part. He refused to even be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Refused to have anything to do with that. That's kind of strange. Look at this. Let's look at the next verse here. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. So he went from a privileged life of billions of dollars and power, and and he, by his own choice, nobody forced him, he himself chose to, to totally get away of all the money, all the fame, all the power, and he chose to go out and be oppressed. God's people out in the ditches. My God, look at this. Look at this next verse. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. He thought it was better to suffer in the name of God, to suffer for the sake of Christ, than to have all the money in the world. I wish we had some people like that today. Look at verse 27. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. I love that verse because it's an oxymoron. How do you keep your eyes on something that's invisible? Faith. Faith. And listen to me. It takes faith if you're going to follow the way. It takes faith because how many in here you've seen Jesus? I've seen people's pictures of him, but I've never actually seen Jesus with my physical eyes. I'm just going to be honest. I've never seen God the Father. I've never seen heaven with my physical eyes. But I am convinced that it's there, and I'm going to keep staring at the invisible until the day that I die, and I get to actually see it for myself. But I'm going to be like Moses and stare at the one who is invisible. You have to keep your eyes on the one who is invisible. Why? Why do you have to do that? Because he is the way. And so Moses right here was either absolutely crazy or he knew something that not everybody else knew. If money brings fulfillment, then Moses was an absolute dummy. He walked away from billions of dollars. If status and popularity and being famous brings fulfillment, Moses missed it. Moses missed it. He was the grandson of the king. TMZ followed him everywhere he went. His Instagram account was blowing up. He left it all behind. Why? Because he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than own the treasures of Egypt. That's something to consider right there. And so what I'm saying is this. Receiving Jesus is super easy. And it's the obvious choice. But he said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm the easiest choice. I'm the easiest way, so you might as well just go with me. He did not say that. And in fact, I want to show you a couple things that Jesus said about following him. And that's in Matthew chapter 7. Let's flip over there to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. So who could say that Jesus, it's not always the easiest road, 
but it's always the best road. Does anybody know that today? That it's always the best road. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look here at verses 13 through 14. And like we were saying, man, sometimes you will put yourself in the minority if you really choose, if you really decide that you're going to stick with Jesus and that you're going to do things his way. And it reminds me of a saying that we've used several times, but right is right, even if you're the only one doing it. And wrong is wrong, even if everybody else is doing it. And that's where Moses found himself. But Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Wow. So it's easy to get to hell. There's a lot of roads that will take you straight to hell. A lot of options. There's a lot of plenty of ways to get to hell. But he says there's only one way to get into heaven. And verse 14 says, but the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is so easy No, he didn't say that. He said the road is difficult. It's actually difficult. And only a few ever find it. So Jesus himself said that. He said it's easy to get to hell. In fact, there's a highway that leads straight there. But the way to life, it, it can be difficult. And only a few ever find it. That road is narrow. But I'm telling you right now, it is worth it. It's worth it. And I want to challenge you. I just got this sense during during worship time today that you need to watch yourself, especially if you're someone that God brought you out of a bad situation. Watch yourself that you don't ever lose sight of what God brought you out of. That is a dangerous, stinking place to be. When the Lord brought you out of Egypt, the Lord delivered you from something And it's one thing to just run right back into the mess. I mean, the book of Proverbs says, even a dumb old dog will return to its vomit. Okay, some people just return to the puke that they came out of. But there's another group of people that they kind of just forget what God... They may not go back to the puke, but but they're just complacent. You know, like, okay, you know, whatevs. It's, uh, yeah. If Jesus delivered you out, if he... Got there into Egypt. If he came down to the ditch that you were in and picked you up and cleaned you off, don't you ever, ever forget about it. You thank God every day of your life. When you come into his house, don't just, yeah, you know, I'm paying my God tax this week, give, give, giving, giving the man upstairs a few minutes. Don't ever get to that. Don't ever, ever, ever let it become just something in the past. You remember that ditch and you remember that Jesus came and pulled you out of that addiction, that he came and, 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 and he cleaned you off. And then he said, hey, this is part of my family. Meet, you know, meet Dave here, meet Robert, meet, meet Raul. This, this is my family. This, this is my brother. Jesus loves you so much that he chose to identify you as being part of his family. He didn't just say, oh, this is my friend. You know, it's funny. One time I was visiting a, a, a a, a, a very rich relative that Katie and I are related to. And everywhere we went, he kept introducing, <laughs> we, we'd run into people, you know, oh, this is some of my extended family. He kept referring to us. And I'm like, geez, I mean, no one to put it that way. Ow. Wow. And so, but he kept saying that. And I'm so glad that Jesus, 
when, when Jesus identifies me, he doesn't say, oh, this is Dave. He's part of the extended family from Barstow. What? Come on, man. No, Jesus says, this is my brother right here. We have the same dad. Jesus says that about it. He, I mean, come on. For Jesus to, to, to say, this is my brother. This is my little sister right here. I am so proud of her. You should see how far she's come. She is the, I love my sister. Jesus says that about you. Because Romans chapter 8 says that Jesus is just the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Jesus is your big brother. Come on, somebody. That's good news today. Wow. And it's not because dad forced him to play with us. Amen. It's because he literally loves us so much that he wants to be in your life. He wants to be your brother. So we're in Matthew 7. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. It is good to be in the family of God. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the family of God. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to look at verses 24 and 25. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. But I like my way. I like my way. Well, that's fine. You can like your way. But if you want to be a disciple, Jesus said, you've got to give up your way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. Wow. So many people trying to hang on to something with a death grip that they're going to lose in the end anyway. Isn't that silly? Isn't that sad? If you try to hang on to it, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That Jesus, he, he, he didn't lie to you. He didn't, he didn't, have you ever had somebody try to sell you something and say, oh no, there's not, this is perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Had a guy sell me a car with a bad engine. I'm still a little upset about that. That was a few years ago. That really stunk that he didn't tell me the engine was bad. He could have mentioned that. But Jesus isn't doing that. He's not saying, oh yeah, follow me. Everything's good. Nothing to hide. I promise. I swear. Everything is roses. He didn't ever say that to you. He said, follow me. It's going to be the best thing for you. In the end, you're going to love it. But it can be a difficult road sometimes. Jesus was very straight about it. And I love something that Billy Graham said. He said, it will cost you to follow Jesus. But it will cost you more not to. It will cost you to follow Jesus. No mistake about it. But it will cost you a whole lot more not to. I'd rather walk away from some things in this life right now than lose my soul. And so there's a lot of people, they want the cheap and the easy way to fulfillment. Come on, let's get real here. A lot of people, they, they're, they're searching, they're dying for fulfillment. They want the cheap and easy way to get there. They want to smoke something. They want to drink something. They, they want to be with someone that they think is going to bring them some fulfillment. But fulfillment, it's not cheap and it's not easy because the price that was paid for your fulfillment was the blood of Jesus. And that ain't cheap. That is not easy. What Jesus did to provide salvation for you, make no mistake about it, that was not easy. And it was not cheap. It it, it cost him his life. It cost him his blood. And so 
Jesus said something a minute ago that just strikes me. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I, there's a silly little picture here, but I want to show that, that this, this just makes so, this gets me every time. You're trying to cling on to that little thing that you love so much. And Jesus is saying, give me that. Just trust me. I've got something a whole lot better for you than what you're hanging on to. You think that little thing, that little thing that you're just clinging on to for dear life. He's saying, trust me. Give it up. Give it to me. And I will give you something so much bigger and something so much better. Who could say that you've done that? You've given up that little thing that you just wanted to hold on to and you found out, oh, here's why you told me to give that up. Here's why you told me to walk away from that because you had true fulfillment. You had true life for me. And I thought this whole time that I had it figured out. Until you get to that place, you'll never know fulfillment. And so Jesus said, number one, I am the way. And then number two, he said, I am the truth. I am the truth. You know, I was, I was, I was just researching some stuff here. And I saw that the Barna Research Group did a study. Uh, they did a national survey of, of, of several thousand people. And, and they asked them if they believe that there are moral absolutes that are unchanging or if moral truth depends on the circumstances. So, for instance, lying is bad. But sometimes it's okay to lie if it's going to get you out of trouble. Well, does, is it, does it depend on Stealing is bad unless you're stealing from a really rich person. Then maybe that makes it okay. And so, so the question is, and the problem that we're dealing with in society is, whether you realize it or not, most people do not believe in absolute moral truth. They think that truth can change depend, depending on the situation. And so, in, in, this, in this survey that was taken, by a three-to-one margin, 64% of adults in the U.S. said that truth always depends on the individual person and their individual situation. I, I find that astounding. That, that, that truth, it, it's a good thing if it suits you and it's going to help you in your personal situation. But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, I am the way and I'm the truth. If, if you feel that I'm true for you, then I'm the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth. Because breaking news, newsflash, truth does not change. Truth doesn't change. Especially when we're talking about moral truth, because you don't get to decide what's true. Can I, can I get, Tim, can I get an amen on that? I mean, come on, people, they got quiet there. You don't get to decide what's true. And we've been told, we're, again, we're so used to choices that, it, I mean, so for some people, it's hard enough to swallow the fact that Jesus is the only way. But now to say that Jesus is the only truth, that's almost like a double slap to some people that you don't get to decide what's true. And that's a common belief amongst our current generation that you just choose what's truth for you. So that would mean, okay, stealing is bad for everybody but me because for me, I identify that that stealing's okay. So for me, that's not my truth. That may be your truth, but my truth is that 
you've got nice things and I want them and I don't want to work for them, so I'll just take yours. What? That's never okay. That's wrong. Do you realize that it's just as wrong to steal from a really rich person as it is to steal from a poor person? I know. I mean, that, that may be mine, but, well, this guy's really rich. You know, when we went to Nicaragua, the missionary that we go uh, with down there, he's American. And so, by default, he must be super, super rich. So it's okay if we take his stuff. He'll just get more. And so he said that he has a real problem because he hires people to come and help uh, work on the mission there on the ranch. And the issue is, is that nine out of ten always steal from the mission. They take tools, they take things, and in their mind, they're, they're Christians, and they love the Lord, but in their mind, it's okay to steal from him because he must be rich because he's American. It's just as wrong to steal from a rich guy as it is from a poor... Stealing will never be okay. There is never a point in time that that truth changes. And I, yeah, we all agree stealing's wrong. I would never steal from someone that's poor or someone that's like me. But it's, it's just as wrong to steal from somebody that has a bunch of stuff too. And so what I'm trying to get at, what I'm trying to drive home here is there are moral absolutes. And Jesus said, I am the way. And he said, I am the truth. There's no changing that fact. There's no way getting around that. Jesus and his word, the word of God, are truth. They don't change. They don't need updated. And so I'm going to show you a couple of verses here that kind of prove this wrong. The first one is John 14, 6. We were just there. You could probably all quote it by now. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so Jesus right here, by his own definition, says, I am the truth. I am what is true. And so Jesus and his word, the Bible... Their truth, right? That does not change. Another verse that you need to know is Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8. And this is one that, I mean, you've got to get this locked down and get this in your heart and never let it go away. Hebrews 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus doesn't change. Do you realize that Jesus is the exact same right now today as he was 2,000 years ago? There's nothing to change. I mean, and again, that's something that's kind of difficult for this generation to get because nothing stays the same anymore. Something that was cool last week is no longer cool this week, right? I mean, you could have gone out and bought the newest iPhone last month, and this month you're a complete loser. Because there's, I can't keep up with it. People are like, oh my gosh, you're on the 10th? <laughs> what a loser. And, and, and it changes all the time. It, everything gets updated and it's never good enough. And so how is it that something from 2,000 years ago hasn't changed? The exact same. Why? Because he's perfect. When something's per- what is there to change to? What could Jesus possibly change to that would be an update or an upgrade on what he already is? How do you upgrade Jesus? How do you update him? How, how do you change Jesus to be something even better than what he already is? Jesus requires no update. 
Jesus requires no upgrade because he's already perfect. And so Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus never changes and Jesus is truth, then truth never changes. If Jesus is truth and Jesus never changes, then the real truth never, ever changes. That's something, I mean, that, that's something you need to let that marinate a little bit in your mind. You need to get a hold of that, that Jesus is not going to change for you. Why? Because if Jesus changes his mind, then that would mean at some point he was wrong. And if Jesus was wrong, then that means Jesus isn't perfect. And if Jesus isn't perfect, that means he is not qualified to die and pay for the sins of the entire world. I mean, I, I, that, that's kind of a deep thing I just said. That, that's a little bit, but I want to say that again, because you need to realize how huge it is that you never let somebody tell you that, that the Bible changed, the Bible's out, Jesus needed to change. Listen, if Jesus changes his mind, if Jesus needs to change on something, that means that he was at one point wrong. And somebody that's wrong is not a perfect person. That would mean Jesus isn't perfect. And if Jesus isn't perfect, that means he was not qualified and eligible to pay for the sins of the entire world. That puts me in a super bad place right now. Because I'm not perfect and I've done some really stupid and sinful things. I need a Savior. I need somebody that's perfect to come and save me and rescue me. And if Jesus isn't qualified, then who is? I'm in big trouble right now. But thank God that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was never wrong. He's always been right. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's that's the best news I've heard in ages. So truth doesn't change. I heard this story about this guy that was arguing with Abraham Lincoln. How do you how do, how do you argue with honest Abe? He's honest. I'm fine. Great guy. Great guy. Everybody loves Abe. And so this guy, and so Abraham Lincoln couldn't get the guy to see what he was trying to say. And so the president stops and says, all right, all right, okay, okay. At least maybe we could agree on this. How many legs does a cow have? The guy says, four. And Abraham Lincoln says, okay. Now suppose we call his tail a leg also. How many does he have? The guy says, Well, that would make five. He has five legs. Abraham Lincoln said, wrong liar. Calling the cow's tail a leg does not make it a leg. Get out. You're a liar. And he threw the guy out of his office. And I'm like, wow, man. Just because you call something true, just because you call it that, doesn't mean it's right. And Jesus said, I am the only way. I am the only truth. And you, as a Christian... You have to acknowledge this, you have to believe it, and you have to receive that into your life, that there's no other way. There's that, and you know, and I, I hear people say, the, well, and I, I, I had a relative that, the only reason that, that I'm a Christian is because I was born in America. There's seven great religions of this world, and, and they're all the same, and, and, and you know, we're, we're Christians just because we were born here. I'm like, speak for yourself, fool. Seriously, speak for yourself, man. I'm not a Christian because I was born. I'm a Christian because Jesus Christ came and died for me. 
Amen. All these other religions in the world, they're out there cutting themselves and walking on glass and, and making, trying to make their God happy with them, killing themselves for their God when my God came and killed himself for me. You kidding me? He left heaven to come down here? That's insane. And he came down here and he paid the price for me. And then he delivered me. He set me free. He healed me of cancer. He gave me a wife and kids. He did all sorts of great things for me. I'm telling you, I chose to follow Jesus. <laughs> I, I, nobody made me do this. I believe in Jesus and I follow him because he's the only way. Not because I just happen to be born in a country that's predominantly Christian. No way. I, 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 I made this choice for myself. Nobody forced me into this. And you've got to be able to say the same thing too. That Jesus is the only way. The only truth. And then of course, the third thing we're going to say is, is that He is the life. He's the life. You know, sometimes people see someone that's maybe rich or whatever the case is. Man, they're living the life, aren't they? I don't know. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But if you think that living the life is having a bunch of cool stuff and toys in this world, you've got a sick definition of what the life is. And it's okay to have blessings. It's okay to have nice things. But that is not living the life. And as we made reference to earlier, I look around this room and I see so many people with beautiful testimonies. Because I know you you used to, you weren't living the life. Some of you. All of us at one point. But some of you, I know that God brought you out of some mess, man. He brought you absolutely out of the ditches. So tell me, is that the life? Is chasing those things, is that the life? No way. You know what the life is now. Who could say, my best day as a child of God or my worst day as a child of God is so much better than my best day living out there belonging to the devil. Oh, my gosh. I can't even, I mean, my Lord, to go five minutes without Jesus, but to live a lifetime in absolute darkness without Jesus, I can't even comprehend what that would be like. That is, that, I mean, that, that's, my, that's a nightmare right there, to think about living one day without Jesus. That is absolutely terrifying. And yet some people, they, they go their whole way fighting and kicking and, and, and doing everything they can, trying to hold on to something that Jesus said, go ahead, hold on to it, going to lose it in the end. Why is that? Because you have to know in your heart that Jesus, He is, He's the life. He's the only way to do this right. And last week in part five of our, of our series, and I know uh, maybe you didn't, if you if you're not here on Sunday nights, you can listen to everything online. Go to iTunes and get the podcast or whatever the case is. You can catch up on all these. But last week we made reference when Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life." Jesus used this word here for life called Zoe. And I've had people all week asking me about what were you talking Zoe? Well, Zoe is a Greek word that Jesus used right here that means life. Now. Zoe doesn't just mean existing, you know, well, he's breathing in oxygen and and breathing it back out. He's alive. That's not life. Come on. There's more to life than just, well, he he takes up space. He he's not dead, so he must have life. There's more to it than that. 
Jesus, he used this word here, zoe, and this is the God kind of life. It means a life full of vigor, a life full of power, a life full of meaning. Jesus told the disciples, I actually told Martha in John 11, I am the resurrection and I'm the zoe. I am the life, the fulfilling life. And so I thought maybe Jesus would use a different word for life here in John 14. But I looked it up, the exact same word. I am the way, the truth, and the zoe, the life, the exact same word. And so Jesus repeats himself a little bit here, but he says, I am it. I'm the only way. And I'm not talking about just having air pumping through your lungs. I'm talking about life. Who in here, seriously... You don't want to just take up space in this world. You want to have a life full of vigor. You want to have the blessed life. You want to have the life that God actually called you to. I do, I do not want to be walking around on planet Earth just being another robot, another zombie in the midst of it all. I want the life that God thought of for David Samples before he was ever even born. He realized that, that, that your life wasn't just planned out last week. Your life was planned out millions and billions of years ago. God knew exactly when you were born, going to be born, and he already had every step played out. Well, then how come I've had some bad days? Well, that doesn't mean every day has gone the way he wanted it to. Sometimes I've taken a left turn somewhere and got off the track that he wanted. And yeah, as a result of that, I've caused bad things to happen in my life from sometimes. But it wasn't the plan that Jesus had. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm not blaming those bad things on Jesus. But Jesus said, I am the life. And in the context of what he's saying here, I don't want to lose you. Stay with me for another five minutes. In the context of what Jesus was saying, he was talking to Thomas about eternal life. Because Thomas says, we don't know. The, what are you talking about, Jesus? I don't know, we don't know the way to where you're going. What are you even talking about? And Jesus specifically says to Thomas, Thomas. Shut up. No, he didn't say that. He said, give me one. If I could have one day away from Thomas, I'd be fine. He didn't say that. That's probably what I would have been saying. Just give me a time out from this kid. No. Jesus says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one goes to the father except through me. So Jesus, in the context of this, is definitely talking about heaven. I want you to look at Colossians chapter three. I've got a couple of verses that you need to see. Is there anybody in here that you spend at least a little part of your time thinking about heaven? I found the majority of Christians don't, but I'm, I'm one of those guys. I could just sit there and, and just stare off into space and think about heaven for a little while. And, and people are like, what are you doing? Thinking about heaven, man. I, I'm thinking about what it's going to be like when I get up there and I finally get to put a face to the faith that I've had for all these years. When I finally get to see him face to face. I mean, come on. Come on. That, that, that's going to be a, that moment that you stand finally face to face with Jesus. And you can go back over your life. I believe that we're going to look back and, and, and recall some of the, the low times that he brought you through. You'll probably laugh at some of the, the silly things you did or whatever the case is. But you're going to stand there and finally be face to face with Jesus. I'm telling you right now. I want to be there. I would so much rather be in heaven than on earth. So much more. But as Paul said, it's better for others that that we stay on earth for now. But don't tempt me with a good time, man. I want to go to heaven. Bad. 
Colossians 3, verses 2 through 3. I'll read this in the Living Bible. It said, let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. I mean, that is that is it right there. So many people and the majority of people, all we think about is things here on this earth. Man, if I could if I could get ten thousand more dollars, I could actually get that car I've wanted. Or man, if I did this over here, I'd I'd be the man at work. Everybody would love me. Boy, if I could just work out this much, I could put pictures of myself on the internet for other people to look at and like, and it wouldn't be vain. And it wouldn't anyway. So what I'm saying is this: what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, we we're doing the exact opposite of what the Bible said. The Bible says, yeah, this, 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 you know, this earth is fine, but, but, but you should have as little desire for the things of this earth as a dead person does. Your real life, your real thoughts should be consisting of heaven. And I think it's the other way. We probably think about heaven about 1% of the time and all the things of this world 99.999999% of the time. And that's actually, that's pretty twisted. That's backwards. That's not how it should be for the Christian. It says, let heaven Fill your thoughts. And so I challenge you. Why don't you, why don't you go home and think about heaven a little bit today? Why don't you go home and open up your Bible and read a little bit about heaven today? Because that's the real life. That's the life that Jesus is talking about. At best case, you're down here a hundred years. I did a funeral for a guy that was 104 and that's a pretty long life. That, that's a long life. But do you realize that's about three seconds in all of eternity? And something that helped me out so much is anything in this world, measure it in comparison to eternity. Think about that. Well, I really like this way that I'm doing things right now. It makes me feel good. Okay. All right. Let's go there. So let's say you're living the life that just really makes you feel good, even though maybe the scripture says that it's wrong. So you would rather have 40, 50 years of you feeling good here and risk billions of years, eternity? Measure it. Measure it. Come on. Think about that. Anything in this life is so temporary. The troubles. Maybe, maybe we see troubles and, and there is deliverance from every trouble. But worst case, worst case, let's say that you dealt with that for the rest of your life. And that's not God's will, but let's just say that you did. Maybe you dealt with that problem for the next 50 years. So what? You think a thousand years from now I'm going to be sitting in heaven chilling with Jesus thinking about that problem? You kidding me? No way. No way. Think about the things that we give up for in this life so we can follow Jesus. Do you really think right now a thousand years from now I'm going to look back and be like, man, I quit drinking. <laughs> wish I hadn't. I really wish I hadn't. I should have stayed a drunk. Really? Do you think that you're going to look back to ten? 20,000, because you don't understand eternity. You realize that 20,000 years from now, 100,000 years from now, you'll be in heaven with Jesus. And so measure that. Measure that compared to the things that we think are so valuable, the things that we think are so important in this tiny little inky dink life. Measure that compared to the next billion years of your existence. Seriously? That's not, that doesn't even register on the scale. And we're willing to risk 
all of eternity over something that's going to make me really happy for the next 20 years. Because that's how I feel. That's the most foolish thing I've ever heard of in my life. What if somebody came to you with a $100 bill and said, I'll trade you this for a penny. But no, I like this one. Now, I'm not the, I mean, I'm not the financial wizard Beardo is here. But at the same time, I'll say this. I'll say this. I do realize that that would be absolute. You would be a fool to turn that down. But I like this one. And he said, all right, fine. I'll just take this and put it back. I'll take this. Listen to me. That's what so many people are doing. They're risking whatever it is, however long you're on. They're going to risk the next hundred billion years with Jesus over something so small in this life. I've noticed that anything that I compare to eternity, it melts away and it's insignificant. Any troubles I have, they're insignificant compared to eternity. I'm not going to care about those 100, 200, however many years from now. I won't even care. Any temptations, any addictions, any, any struggles, they're nothing compared to getting to be with Jesus forever. And there's not a single thing on planet Earth that I'm willing to risk Jesus over. There's no amount of money, no amount of pleasure, no amount of feel good that I'm willing to risk heaven over. There's nothing in this world that I'm willing to to risk losing Jesus over. And so is your short life here on earth worth risking billions of years in heaven? Now that's on your outline there. Is your short life here on this earth worth risking billions of years in heaven? Maybe it's not on your outline. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Maybe I didn't get that on there. But anyway, the Apostle Paul... He had a vision of heaven, and he wrote about it. I want to quickly show this to you in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4. And then I've got a bunch of scriptures on there from Revelation. And I think that I'm not going to read those today. I think I'm going to tell you to go home and read those for yourself for a few minutes. Because I seriously don't think that it would ruin your day to go home and read about heaven for five minutes. Is there anybody that you're just too busy this afternoon to go take five minutes to read about heaven? Okay, I think you should go home and do that. But, but I want to show you this. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4, because the Apostle Paul had this unique experience where he got to visit heaven before he ever even died. And I'm like, man, that would that'd be fantastic. But, but first, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4, he says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Well, what's the third heaven? Well, the Bible writes of three heavens. And, uh, and the first is the sky that you can see right here. The second heaven, it refers to the heavens, is outer space. And the third heaven is actually where you're going to live someday and where Jesus is right now. That's the third heaven. And so he says, whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. And so Paul, he gets to see heaven. And, and he hears things. He sees things that, that he can't even put words on. Things that no human is allowed to even tell or talk about. I mean, that, I, doesn't it just pique your curiosity? Well, what did he see? What did he hear? I, I, I want to know. Spill the beans. Well, tell, tell us what it is that you saw. Tell us what it is that you heard. I, I know this much. Uh, I've never seen heaven, 
but I am not willing to miss out on heaven. I want to be there. And I'd love to be there today if I could. But I'm telling you right now, heaven is a real place. And there's only one way to get there. There's no access road. There's no back door into heaven. There's no VIP entrance. When you get there, the richest person in this world is just as much as you are. It all depends on if he served the Lord or not. He may be going down below. You may be going up. Doesn't matter. The, 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 all the money in this world, it, it won't matter one single bit when you get to eternity. It doesn't matter at all. But I, I, I know this much. There is only one way to get there. Quit trying to create a shortcut. Quit trying to get there your own way. It never, ever works out. There's only one way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to ask Josh, if you want to get up for a minute. As, as we kind of close out here, uh, we're going to close things down. But I, I do say that this is the most important part of everything we've said today. Please don't get up and leave the room. Please don't run out because, well, they're just going to pray for people now. If that's your attitude, you're lost as can be. Listen to me right now. Listen right now. That Jesus is speaking to your heart today. And, 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 and it's one thing I've noticed that somebody that's lived a real rough and ragged and wild life, they don't really have that big of an issue. Say, yeah, I need Jesus. Duh. I'll, absolutely. What I've done has been. A, and that's one thing there. But, but I've noticed that even more dangerous group of people are those that have actually lived a, a pretty clean life. Because whether they've gone to church for years or not, they've got this false sense of righteousness that they think I'm good. I, I've never stole. I've never I've never taken from anybody. I've never hurt anybody in my life. That's really great. But that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. There's this, there's this illusion, this false sense of security that just because, well, I've never been in jail, I've never... Listen, that doesn't matter. That's not what gets you to heaven. Who wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell? You're still going. Whether you, What it all boils down to is if you can agree with what Jesus said on John 14 and verse 6. Jesus I believe that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And I need you. Because Jesus, actually, the, the Bible, it says this. It says all of your righteousness, it's like filthy rags. You could take your best stuff you ever did, and when you bring it before Jesus and say, I'm counting on all this to get me into heaven, I'm just going to lay this out here. They're going to say, why would you bring a bunch of filthy rags up here? That's nothing. Get it out of here. The only way into heaven is to receive Jesus. And so I'm going to ask us to stand up together today, if we could. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.